Welcome to Brain Slides, the presentation podcast for teachers, helping you present better to teach better. Welcome to Brain Slides. This is episode three. I'm excited. We're kind of on a roll. Um, I'm Nathan Cash, and your host again, and with me is Mike Pulsifer. How you doing this weekend? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And a special guest that I'm very excited to have on the show is Anna Frofrazana. Am I saying that right, Anna? Uh, almost there. <laughs> almost there. Go ahead and tell me how you say your name. Uh, Anna Frofrazana. Fajo, ah, of course. <laughs> I used to dance Fajo. <laughs> And Anna is a presentation designer, and uh, she's been designing PowerPoint and keynote presentations for clients around the globe since 2009, and born and raised in Brazil. Yes. Awesome. I love Brazil. Spent some time there myself. Cool. Well, we are so excited to have Anna here, because today we're going to be talking more about visual thinking, and we started off talking about how we design our slides and how we kind of come up with images that relate to the topic at hand. Uh, but Anna is a professional designer, and we are so excited to get her input on how you can better think visually. So <clears throat> tell me a little more about what you do, Anna. You make a living designing PowerPoint presentations? Yes, I do. So uh, first of all, thanks for having me. It's really cool that you guys are doing this. And uh, yeah, so I've been freelancing as a, a presentation designer uh, since 2009, and uh, that's what I do for a living. Uh, I've been uh, lately. I've been getting a lot of uh, requests for different designs, like eBooks and Adobe Design stuff. But my main focus is presentations, mostly PowerPoint and Keynote. Wow, that's incredible! I I would never thought ten years ago that you could you know, spend so much time designing presentations. Yeah, that's true. I was actually uh, surprised at first of the, the uh, how uh, how often I get these requests, like the need that it's out there for presentation designers because a lot of companies, they, uh, in the past, now I think this is changing, but in the past they used uh, uh, administrative assistants uh, to design presentations. And uh, I mean... Uh, very often, these people don't have a, a design concept, necessarily a good design concept in mind. So they just put slides together. And that's, I think that's where the, the PowerPoint, the corporate PowerPoint disaster uh, started, mm -hmm. like with, with these people using uh, non-qualified people to make designs. And they ended up transforming PowerPoint uh, presentations in documents and, well, you know, uh, how how it became so uh, ugly and strange, like so many uh, presentations using a lot of text and all that. So, uh, but I think that's changing now. So that's why I say that actually I was a bit surprised of how often I get requests for presentation design, not only for cooperation, but also from individuals. Actually, most of my work is for individuals, speakers and technology folks. So, um, that is a need out there for presentation design, for sure. And you've had some uh, fairly big name clients, isn't that right? Yeah. Um, I 
was very lucky that I was I got to design Guy Kawasaki the his last presentation and he's traveling with that presentation. Um, so I I've been getting a lot of uh, uh, response from that because every time he presents at the end he 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 gives my website and he, he he talks about me and he says Anna did my presentation blah 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 so and and it's funny because um, I kind of know where he is by the emails and reactions and tweets that I get because like this week he presented in Paris and and in London and. And I got a request from Paris and I got a request from Lebanon. Uh, this guy from Lebanon was in Paris uh, actually attending the event. So um, it happened a lot. I had a client from Amsterdam because he presented in Amsterdam. The next day, the guy got in touch with me and it was a great project actually uh, a couple of months ago. So uh, it's been great because he's doing all this free propaganda for me. And uh, from there, it, it only got better. Of course, I got to, to work on great projects for great clients. It, it, and, I, and I'm lucky too that I'm in San Francisco. So uh, all the Silicon Valley uh, startups, folks, they, they a lot of times they come to me with investment pitch presentations. So it's been great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great place to be. I know. Nancy Duarte of um, Slideology fame and Duarte Design started out in the Bay Area as well yep. with clients like Apple, and yep. her business has just exploded. So it's it's just surprising to me that you can design presentations for a living, but there's such a need out of, out there for it. I think especially in the classroom, and Mike, as you know, in government. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No. <laughs> I feel like you have a complaint coming on. I think that's no, no. I'll just let that one lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's get into this thinking visually. So, Mike and I we t- we discussed brainstorming, uh, using the whiteboard, using some post-it notes. Um, help me refresh, Mike. What else did we talk about? Yeah, we discussed using post-it notes or even. Um... Uh, index cards. Uh, if you don't have, a, like, for example, if you don't have really good wall real estate, um, you could even lay those out on the on the table. And the next step that we we talked about was actually doing the sketching, sketching on paper or sketching on a whiteboard, uh, the the concepts for the designs for the slides themselves before you actually spend some time, real valuable time in the the slideware uh, applications themselves. Right, and we mentioned some brain uh, brainstorming applications that we can use. So right, yeah, for, for something you'd want to use after you do your brainstorming because uh, you don't want your your tools to, to limit you during the process. Mm-hmm. Right, because technology can get in the way, and I think that's a really big problem, isn't it, Anna? Where people just jump into PowerPoint, start typing out what they want to say. Yeah, I think the major problem is that people think that having the software in a computer is enough to create a great presentation. So uh, they don't necessarily uh, take the time to organize their ideas in, before sitting at the computer and starting a PowerPoint. So uh, when they, they just go to the computer and say, okay, I'm going to make my presentation, going to look great. Here's a, a template from PowerPoint. So they use those uh, horrific templates and 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 it just gets gets worse as they do that more and more often. So, yeah, so I think the, the software, it's, it's, 
it gets in the way of the, the creative process for sure. If you don't take the time to prepare everything before you actually start using PowerPoint or Keynote. So share, us, share with us what you might do rather than jump into PowerPoint or Keynote to kind of start brainstorming your ideas or your visuals. Well, I think the first thing is to actually um, understand the, the, the main concept of that um, specific project, that specific presentation, speech, or event. And so it, it involves a lot of research, too. So when, for example, if I get a request from a client, first thing, I need to know who he is and what kind of uh, event he's going to be presenting and how is he going to use that presentation in the, f- the future, um, how often. And, and because sometimes I get cl- uh, clients, speakers that speak like, more than a hundred times per year, and they they use that presentation so many times. They know their stuff so well, but they also want to uh, design for each audience. So you know, so it involves a lot of uh, research and getting to know the client, getting to know the 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 concept, the 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 idea that he wants to m- like make people understand. So. Um, from that, so I do my research, I go to his website or the, I, I research on the event, on the audience, and, and then I start actually looking at an outline. It's some, some clients come to me with that outline that's very clear and, and really good. So they just need me to come up with the visuals. Uh, but a lot so of Can I, you give us an example? Uh, for instance, with Guy Kawasaki, his presentation was Enchantment. Uh-huh. Yes. And it was a book that he was coming out with? Yeah, so that's his new book. And he, he Guy had a, a very, he was great because he had a, an outline ready for me. So what he did was he sent me a PowerPoint file uh, with blank slides and just the title in each slide. And he said, just make this look beautiful. So uh, he can't come up with the visuals. He's not a designer. He doesn't have the eye for the color palette for the the, the visuals themselves, but he had a very clear idea of what he wanted. And so what he asked me was like, I need you to read my book first. So he sent me his book and he said, read the book. I need you to understand my message. So I think that's the main point. You need to understand your, your client and the message. Uh, so if you design your own uh, presentation, of course, you know your message, but you need to organize that before you actually start designing uh, slides themselves. So I remember I remember hearing that you ha- you stayed up all night long reading his book. Uh yeah, it was it was kind of like that. He got in touch with me on a Friday afternoon and he said I need you to I'm going to send you my book. So read the book and tomorrow I'm going to be send you my outline and and so I I started reading the book on Friday night and then I on Saturday I was done with the book by the time I finished the book he he sent he had sent me his outline and I started working on that and he needed a presentation for Monday so I mean I promised him that I would send the first draft on Sunday night so it was very uh, intense an intense experience but it was great. <laughs> so there wasn't much preparation, but that that doesn't work very well, does it? It's better to have a little bit of time in advance. Oh, for sure, yeah, because. Uh, the more time you have, the, the better the design is going to come out. Because in my case, for example, I tried to make the unique graphics 
illustrate things from scratch. It's not only putting stock images together. So I try to make specialty design and create stuff in Illustrator and uh, treat the images in Photoshop. So if I have more time, of course, it's going to be much better. If if you give me a, a, a 48 hours, 24 hours, I'm going to try my best. But it, I would love to have more time for sure. <laughs> But I have to say that just speaks to your talent because that was an amazing presentation. I Thank remember you. seeing that Thank the you. week that it came out. So very impressive. And so you work for clients, but teachers kind of work for themselves. And it would be great. maybe university professors have a teaching assistant that they already are paying uh, that can kind of design those slides. But most teachers in high school and and most people in business that present are presenting for themselves. Mm-hmm. So what can they do to think more visually and what can they do to improve their slides? Yeah, well, I think that uh, that's that's when the 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 visual thinking uh concept uh it's very helpful like you sh- people should start um learning more about visual thinking or training themselves to think visually. Uh so what I mean by that is that Try to think about how you can convey your message, um, if not with words. What would you do if you, you cannot use text? So how can you uh, give your message, pass your message to people uh, and make them understand in a very clear and, and effective way if you cannot use your words? So um, not everybody it's, can do that very easily, but... Anyone can do it. It's just a matter of training. Some people are more gifted and have can do it very easily. So I, I just saw today a quote from this nine-year-old boy saying, "I just wish I had a projector in my in, in my head, and you had a screen on yours, and then you would understand what I'm trying to tell you." So that's the point of visual thinking because the the whole point of giving a presentation that you're trying to get what it's in your head inside of other people's head. And and so the visuals would work just to help you with that. So you don't need to have your text all there in the slide, of course, but your speech is going to be so much more powerful if you have an effective visual behind to back up your, your words, you know? So I think that's where people should start uh, putting more time, to, taking the time to actually try to do an exercise on how can I translate my message into a, an image. Uh, and if you can't find, like, at the end of, you spend hours and, okay, I can't find a good image for this concept. Okay, use a word. A word is also a visual. So if you if you think about the Takahashi method, um he just used words, like giant words on the slide, one word. It's just typography. That's a visual. So it's another way. So he's not using a, he's not using a full slide of text. He's just having one big word, the key concept word, yeah. really large on the slide. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's another way to uh, help people to grasp a concept. So you, let's say you're going to talk about uh, I don't know, you're going to talk about flowers, so you have that huge word that you and people are going to be seeing that on a slide, and you're going you're gonna to be 
elaborating on that word, so that's going to stick on people's mind, you know. So that's another way to use visuals. That, so people sometimes people think that visual is just like a beautiful picture. No, it's a, a doodle. It's a, it's a great visual. If you can explain your concept in a doodle, do it because it's great. I, I think that's a great, great uh, method, especially if, if you're in a technical or scientific field. Uh, because quite often one of the things that, that really throws people, I mean, I, I work in IT, and, and one of the things that throws people, especially these people who are very literal, is it can be sometimes very difficult to come up with meaningful, easy-to-understand visual metaphors for some of the things we're talking about. So if you had that one word that you get them to focus on and you explain it so that in the, your presentation, not necessarily on, on this, have everything written out on the slide, I think that's just absolutely a great way to to handle that that type of subject matter or our audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I it's just that what I think that people should um think about is that visuals enable us to apprehend concepts that are very difficult to to explain. So even that word or or like I said a doodle or Whatever you have, like a, an effective visual that's not gonna distract the the, the audience from your your speech, uh, that's great. I mean, that's gonna be a, a lot. It's gonna bring a lot of value to our to your presentation, and it's gonna be much more effective. As the old adage goes, a picture is worth a thousand words and can explain more than oftentimes what we say. But we, let's take a break right now, and I want to come back and get an example from you on a. You know, the enchantment presentation starts off with a big butterfly. And so I'd love to hear how that relates to Guy Kawasaki's okay. uh, presentation. So we'll come back in just a minute and talk more about visual thinking. I mentioned before the break that I wanted to get an example from Anna about the enchantment presentation that Guy Kawasaki gave. And I remember that his book cover and the initial slide was a butterfly. So can you talk about that visual and how that relates to his topic? Well, that visual actually came from the, the book cover contest. He had a, a book cover contest that was very... Um, controversial because uh, designers thought that he should never do that. Uh, some people consider spec work that you, he paid two thousand dollars for a contest, and and the winner came up with that uh, the first cover, which is was uh, the red one with the blue butterfly, and the blue, blue butterfly was a stock image that he used. I think it was very nice, so I used. The cover of the book as the inspiration for the opening slide and the closing slide, but his uh, guy guy Kawasaki's publishers they didn't want to use the blue butterfly. They thought it was too feminine and too like self help book. And, and they told him, "No, I don't. I don't see a businessman buying a book with a blue blue butterfly on it." So, um, but he said, "I like the butterfly. I want a butterfly." So he ended up. Uh, he was. He said that he was thinking about it, and he was like, well, I'm Japanese, and what kind of um, art Japanese have? And, and, and it's origami, so he, he 
went to Google and he found this origami master in Hawaii. And he, he told the guy, I need you to make a butterfly. So this guy made the, the, the origami butterfly, which is now called the Kawasaki butterfly. Mm. <laughs> so, and so then he actually hired a designer to redesign the book cover. And then we redesigned the entire presentation based on the new cover. So did you have more time for that redesign? Uh, I was actually in Brazil and he got in touch with me. I was on vacation in Brazil and he said, I need you to redo the presentation based on the, the new book cover because the, the book's coming out in March and, and we have a new cover and uh, I want to adapt the presentation to that, the new, the new color palette and the new butterfly. So I actually did that in, during my vacation oh, in Brazil. No. But <laughs> And, and I think I did in like a day because, uh, well, I was, was on vacation. I didn't want to work actually. And I didn't have my computer. This was the first time that I decided to tra- travel only with my iPad mm. to see if it would go well. And I told him, well, I don't have my computer with me, but I'm going to try my mom's computer, which is a, a PC, a Windows computer. <laughs> but luckily she had the PowerPoint installed and, and I was able to redesign everything in her computer. So it ended up well. So that's a good point maybe to bring up quickly is that Mike and I are big fans of Keynote, and I think you are as well. Uh, but everything mm-hmm. that we talk about can be done in PowerPoint. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it just depends on your skills. as Whether you're a designer or not, if you have great skills in Keynote or PowerPoint, it doesn't matter the, the, the software. I mean, if you look at some presentations that are designed in PowerPoint, you can't even tell that it was PowerPoint. Like SOAP is a great example, the state-of-the-art presentations, this uh, design agency in Brazil. They, they are a great example of that. They, they only use PowerPoint. I don't think they use mm. Keynote. Um, I'm pretty sure they are a PC-based company, and, and they work for Microsoft. So they have an ongoing contract with Microsoft for years. So, and you look at the presentations, they're awesome, they're great, and, but you can see that the graphics are not done in PowerPoint. It's like my work is right now, my original work, like I started in Illustrator. So if I'm creating a background for a presentation, I'm going to do that in Illustrator or whatever other design, I can, uh, design software I can use. The PowerPoint you know, are going to come at the end of the design process actually only to put the slides together. So in some types of design, like my work, uh, that's the media, you, the media you're going to use just to actually bring the, 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 the whole uh, design together and project the presentation. So it doesn't really matter. You can do great things with PowerPoint at, at, at the same way you can do Keynote. Of course, as far as animations and the interface of the software. Keynote is far superior to PowerPoint, in my opinion. But uh, you can still do great things with PowerPoint. So, can I mention your ebook, or should we keep that under? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So yeah, you're coming out, <laughs> working on, and uh, going to be coming out soon with a an ebook on turning your ideas into great visuals called Slide Eficaz, which is a, mm-hmm. a Portuguese word, right? Do you want to explain what that means? Yeah, uh, so efficaz, it's actually uh, efficient. Um, so that's the name of the ebook, Slide Efficaz, but it's Efficaz is a, a Portuguese for efficient. Yes, I love that. That sounds really great. So it's about turning your ideas into great visuals. And we've been talking about one of the chapters, which is visual thinking. 
And you mentioned uh, <clears throat> in your in your ebook notes here some other points that when you present information visually, that there are these concepts of power, novelty, and simplicity. We can cover mm-hmm. those just briefly. Yeah. So. So yeah, so I think, like I said, when you start on a design and you start preparing yourself or training yourself to uh, think visually, uh, I think the main things that you need to take in consideration are uh, how powerful and how unique and and how clear and simple your design is. Uh, so that's the the three things that I included in my in this chapter in my book. Actually, it's power, novel, novelty, and simplicity. Because um, of course, power. Uh, look at your design. Look at your slides, and be honest with yourself. And can you say that that's a powerful visual? I mean, do you think that people are going to look at it and say, "Whoa, that really translates the message"? So, for that example. Really Many teachers will bring in an image and, you know, copy and paste it from their Google Im- image search. And it's this, mm-hmm. you know, small image down in the corner. There's not a lot of power in that, is there? No, not at all. And not to mention the you can't do that. You can't use just Google images and not consider the copywriting. <laughs> so that that's another thing. So... Yeah, that's a big mistake that people do. I actually, I was very surprised that the other day I got this um, speaker uh, request. She's in Paris. She's American, but she lives in Paris. And she sent me her deck and she needs that. And she said, I need you to redesign my deck. And well, her deck was pretty much made with Google Images. And I was very surprised. I was uh, scared <laughs> because... That's another thing that people don't consider is copywriting, that you have to pay for the image, that you have to use high-quality images. So Google is great to help you with the visual thing, actually. So if you can't actually think of an image, just Google it and go to images. It might help to for you to, oh, yeah, that's right. So I Google that word and it this result came out. So now I'm going to look for my own image. Either I'm going to buy or I'm going to draw it. Um, and now if teachers or maybe Mike, if you're in government or if you're in education, isn't there this fair use clause? Well, I think the teachers have a have more of a pass because they're actually using it. I assume they're using it for educational purposes. So they have a fair use defense. Um, where I work, they don't. And on, Fortunately, it's 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 really a, a difficult concept to get across and uh, to them that look, you, even though nobody outside this boardroom is going to see these these slides, um, you are technically doing harm to to that for that photographer or that uh, that designer because they're not getting. What either the credit or the or the financial reward that that they're due for creating that original work. Um, so it's 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 something that's it's hard to get across to people when they think, oh well, who's going to know? I'm not going. Nobody's going to catch me. It's just a matter yeah. of 
getting people to understand that really it's about doing the right thing. Okay, and that's where we, you know, mentioned again, Creative Commons licensing and maybe stock images that you can buy mm-hmm. fairly cheap to be able to use without any copyright issues. Yes. And, yeah, so I think, like, going back to the, 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 the power uh, concept of the image, um, besides that, people need to uh, understand that they need to use high quality images. So a lot of times you're going to see slides where the images are pixelated and it's just, don't do it. Uh, You know, like take the time to find a good image and make one or buy one because that's going to, that's, that's what's going to bring the power to your visual. It's an, it's not only effective, it's not only the right image, but something that people want to look at. So what does what um, high quality mean? You know, how do we keep it from looking pixelated? Well, it depends on how are you going to project your presentation, uh, what kind of um, software you, you're going to use, and the dimensions of the slides. So a lot of times I design presentations in widescreen, and that makes a little bit more complicated when it comes to fit the image in the slide. Uh, but most people just use the standard four by three and and just buy the size that you think it's gonna uh look good in your laptop or i mean it's it's complicated this the 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 image resolution is it's complicated i had a a whole discussion with one of my clients about that he was a photographer so he understood a lot about the image and the resolution and the the projector and everything so one thing that complicates things sometimes is the the quality of the projector. Sometimes when you project, the slide just looks completely different. That you can't see texture. Uh, like I designed a, um, a master, a customized master slide for for this guy, and he came back to me. And he said, "I love your design. It looks awesome in my laptop. But when I projected, the texture that you use." It wasn't there. It was just black, plain black background. So we didn't have the texture of the the blackboard that I used. So that's another thing that, so there are all these things that you need to consider. So if you're building it, if you design your own presentation, think about your projector, especially I think in education, they probably use the same kind of projectors very often. So yeah, I think that's a benefit for teachers is that they're always going to be in the same room, almost always. And so their projector is going yes. to be the same. So they should design for the quality that that one presents. Yeah, I think that's a great advantage that knowing your equipment. So so get to know your equipment and how powerful it is and how well it's going to project your images. Uh, because in some cases, like Guy Kawasaki, he travels the world with the, with his presentation in a thumb drive. And then he gives to AV people and he has no idea what kind of system or PowerPoint version they have. So that's one thing that we discussed because he's a Mac guy, of course. So when I told him, so you don't want your presentation keynote? And he said, no, it needs to be PowerPoint because I don't travel with my laptop. I don't go with my laptop everywhere I present. I just give them a thumb drive. And who knows what system or PowerPoint version they're going to be using. So... I think in education, you have the advantage of, you know where you're going to be. You know the size of the room. That's another thing. The lighting and the size of the room uh, influence a lot and, and the equipment that you're going to use. 
a couple things I try to remember when uh, I'm putting together slides and I don't know necessarily what the projector I'm dealing with is, is that for one, especially if I've got a full bleed image on my slides, I, I try to make sure that the image that I grab is at least 1024 by 768, because that seems to be the standard nowadays for projectors. And if I'm on a on an older projector that only can do 800 by 600, well, I'm scaling the image down rather than up. And as I'm sure the three of us know, that it's better to shrink an image than to blow it up because that's when you start getting the pixelation and and you're basically destroying your image. Mike, that, the other thing, that 1024 by 768 is the screen resolution, and that's the right. default for PowerPoint Keynote. Uh, and, and that's usually what projectors are in, just standard projectors if it's not widescreen, if it's not HD. Right. And it, Nowadays, what that yeah. means, can we explain that really quick for sure. those who don't understand? Is it, right. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. basically, um, the, the screen resolution that we're looking at on our computers always varies. Everybody's got different kind of monitor. Even if you're on a laptop, probably quite different. And nowadays, we've got these widescreen monitors. The projectors are typically using a, a the, the ratio of the dimensions, the, the width and the height of the, the, of the projected image, is probably more analogous to those old CRT monitors, those old big, big monstrous uh, monitors that we had taking up all that space on our desk, where it's more of a 4 by 3 type of ratio. So you... 600, 640 by 480, 640 pixels by 480 pixels, 800 by 600, 1024 by 768, and it got higher. But but about five years ago, I'd say, was when we really started seeing the majority of the projectors um, project at 1024 pixels by 768 pixels. Um, now we're starting to see some of the widescreen projectors, and, and as she mentioned, it's just that that's creating all kinds of interesting challenges for us as we're designing our slides. But by and large, from what I've been seeing, unless this, this place has, has had a fair bit of uh, money to throw at the projectors right now, we can pretty much safely assume that they're probably a two, seven, 1024 by 768, which as you said, thankfully the, the, the slide where programs are pretty standardized on that, but some of them, like Keynote, will give you the option to choose other si other sizes too. So, just something to be aware of. I have some posts on my website, brainslides.com, about how you can find out what resolution your image is at. And if you're using Google, of course, I talk about Creative Commons in Google. Or if you're using Flickr, how to ensure that that image is at least eight by six hundred or ten twenty four by seven sixty eight. So, I'll put some links to that in the show notes. And if I may, just uh, one last thing I, that I, I try to look for or try to pay attention to um, when when I could be presenting it in an environment that is unfamiliar, I'm not familiar with the, the projector, is the contrast. I try to make sure that my visuals have um, a lot of contrast between important elements on, on the slide itself because... From what I've seen, a lot of these these uh, projectors in these conference rooms, 
we've got terrible contrast, and as and as she mentioned earlier, it's, you know, details get just washed out. So if, if those details are important, um, they can be just completely lost because they either poorly configured or just a cheap projector. And an example of contrast would be white versus black. I think that's right. the maximum contrast you can have. Um, yep. So you want colors that aren't close together. So you can't do, say, uh, an orange on top of a red. There's really no contrast there. Yeah, you can get yourself into trouble. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and that brings a, a whole new uh, topic, which is using contracts contrast because I actually have a section in my ebook about that uh, that helps with colorblind people too. So contrast is definitely a powerful way to make sure that people are going to actually see your graphics. Yeah, colorblindness is a whole other topic that, <clears throat> wow, I, I really don't know a whole lot about, but something else to consider. Yeah. Well, we've been running quite long, but this has been a fabulous, fabulous conversation. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Before we go, let's. Share, we've got a couple of pics here to share. A uh, couple of little videos that we're going to link to, but I, I'd like to play a piece of them first of all. So, Anna, tell me about this soap. Uh, so this video, uh, it was done by Soap, the state of the art presentations, the agents from Brazil, and it's a collection of real presentations that they designed in the past. So in this video, they, they give an overview of the different kinds of presentation and what you should consider for each one of them. And I think it's a great, great video. It's a, a four minute video, I think. And um, it's it, like the, the visuals, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of suspect to say because I'm a big fan of soap, but the visuals are just gorgeous and they really have a a, a, a sweet generous uh, style of design, and um, it's just delightful to watch. It's great. Great. Let me play a little bit of this. What do you expect from a presentation? That all depends. Each project, each industry, requires a unique, customized approach. The style of a presentation says a lot about the business that's presenting it. The financial industry must communicate trust and stability with a clean, elegant look. Media companies want to show, not tell, in a visual language that matches their creativity. Technology firms need something crisp yet edgy, the high-tech equivalent of eye candy. Yeah, these are really gorgeous visuals. And so they go through all the different types of presentations that you can go through. And, and then they discuss yeah, they, the importance of designing them well or what? Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting that when they get to the education presentations, they actually say, remember that this is not a book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so go light on the text I tried to find the section on education but I couldn't quite see where it is oh here we go this isn't a book it's a presentation that is awesome great well I will include that link and I actually haven't seen that one yet so I'm going to watch that again later 
Well, Mike, you had one thing to share with us too. Sure. Yeah, basically, like I said, I work in enterprise IT. So one of the things that that's always been a challenge is is confronting the the culture of conventional wisdom, where you know everybody is is focused on and doing the safe known thing. So trying to infuse creativity, trying to get people who may uh, not otherwise um, do so, try to exercise more than just the, the left side of their brain um, is, is always been something that I've been, you know, trying to explore. And I came across this one presentation that was delivered at TED, and it's I think it's one of those that's a great example of a presentation where, you know what, a visual PowerPoint or keynote slide deck is not necessary. Um, but he, he gave a great message that I think is absolutely valuable to not only uh, people who are in the, the corporate world, but absolutely uh, in the, the the field of education, because he was actually talking about um, education and what it is doing to creativity. So this and is this Sir, was, Sir Ken yeah. Robinson, uh, right. one of the... Uh, kind of monumental TED Talks that was given a few years ago. And he was a teacher himself. So let me play just a part. A portion the things have in common, is that kids will take a chance. You know, if they don't know, they'll have a go. Am I right? They're not frightened of being wrong. Now, I don't mean to say that being wrong is the same thing as being creative. What we do know is, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. If you're not prepared to be wrong... And by the time they get to be adults, most kids have lost that capacity. Uh, they have become frightened of being wrong. And we run our companies this, by the way. We stigmatize mistakes. And we're now running national education. So that's Sir Ken Robinson. If you are a teacher and you've not seen this talk, you must watch it. I, yeah, absolutely. I've actually watched it probably 30 times now. And he talks about just some great people and their experiences in education uh, and he's working hard to help improve our education system. So that is Sir Ken Robinson. I'll include that in the show notes as well. Well, this man, this talk or this conversation has been great, and I think we could go on and on and on. Uh, I I would love to talk more about some of these design things like contrast, as well as how do how do we become more creative? You know, Ken Robinson said kids lose that by the time they're in middle school, and how can we regain that ability to create, to draw, to design things? So we can talk about them in a future episode. But again, thanks, Mike, for your time again today. Thank you. And let us know where people can follow you online. I can be followed on Twitter at Mike Pulsifer, M-I-K-E-P-U-L-S-I-F-E-R, or on the web at Mike-Pulsifer.org. Well, thank you, Anna. Um, we appreciate you so much taking your time to join us and sharing some real design experience. Uh, again, uh, cursorgaze.com is your uh, presentation design website? Uh, actually, cursorgaze.com is my blog. And oh, my, yeah, my website, my portfolio is anafxfc.com. Great. And, of course, you can follow you on Twitter at NFXFXFZ. Thank you again to our listeners for joining us on Brain Slides. And I'm Nathan Cashin. You can follow me at 
BrainSlides on Twitter or get some more info on designing slides for education at brainslides.com. And we'll see you again next time.